This is the last sermon on Proverbs. Has it been a good, good uh, series? You like the series? Good series? Thank you, Jill. Thank you. And we have saved the best for last. <laughs> so buckle up. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to begin with a simple question directed towards all the ladies in here. How many of you in your private, intimate conversations with your BFF at the coffee shop or your sister in a living room or daughter in a car going shopping, how many of you are always 100% of the time politically correct? <laughs> and so here's what I mean by politically correct. You are always saying things so you don't offend, you don't make judgments concerning others, especially the male gender, and you don't make statements that accept, or you make statements that accept all lifestyles, especially when it pertains to your kids. How many are 100% politically correct? Not one of you. I guarantee you, because political correctness is not about seeking truth. It is about sounding good and saying what is popular in the public sphere. But in your private conversations, you want truth. That's what you want the most. Telling it like it is, giving advice also demands honesty. Today we are not going to be politically correct, just saying that ahead of time. In fact, we are going to be eavesdropping on an intimate father and son conversation, and the topic is the last word we have not yet touched yet. Do you see it right there? Women. That's what we're going to talk about today. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. I had a number of these with my dad growing up through the years. We had a dog. We had a black. Uh, he was actually a golden retriever, but he was black. Had a little bit of black uh, retriever in him as well. But we'd go walking in the woods, and we'd throw sticks to our dog. And then that's when my dad and I would have the, the conversations in the shelter of the woods. Now, if you were to put into print our conversations or would have played them on some political talk show with the editorial commentary talking head, it probably wouldn't sound so well or go off so good or so tolerant. And that's what these verses are today, believe it or not. Some of the verses we're going to open to some women may sound a bit harsh. They'll sound pretty mean and maybe a tad chauvinistic. As I was doing some studies, I found a number of feminist women hate this book of Proverbs. They hate it. Listen to this quote about the Proverbs 31 woman by one feminist writer. She only lives to advance male interests and male well-being. The price for supporting the male is domestic bondage. And she is complicit with encouraging this male-dominated system. But there are some feminist writers that see specifically in Proverbs 31 as the the superior woman, they write, her business acumen, strength, wisdom, and independence completely overshadows the husband, and she is clearly the superior one. Here's the problem with feminism and political talk. It always creates a war between the genders. I mean, it's always divisive. They only see life as a battle for control. Men versus women, who's going to win? But that's not what is going on in Proverbs. It's simply honest observation from a father to a son giving advice. I'll give you an illustration. 
My last year at Moody, I had a mentor that was a black pastor. He was in ministry for 25 years. His name was Dr. Warren Maddox. He actually served with Tony Evans from the Urban Alternative. He was my mentor, and we'd have one-on-one conversations every week. It was my last semester, and he wanted to get me prepared for full-time ministry. I had a question to ask him, and I said, Dr. Maddox, I have a big dilemma. It is my last semester, and I have four extremely difficult classes. But I just met a woman I am hugely interested in. You might know her name. Her name's Michelle. If I try to get to know her, is what I asked him, I might not get as good a grades as I hope. Do I spend more time with her or my books? Here's his answer. And he was very proper. He said, Dear Mr. Weeks, I have found over my years of ministry a woman who eventually may become your spouse can do more to make or break your ministry than good or bad grades ever could, is what he said. He said, I know of men who are on fire for Christ and watch them marry women who wanted money and things and they are no longer in ministry. I have seen some weak men marry godly women who made the men stronger ministers. In fact, if it weren't for the women, most men, most of the time, would never make it. You need to know, is this woman going to make you or break you? And the only way to figure that out is time. And remember, once you get your first job, no one will ever ask about your grade point average again. Some good advice. Some really good advice. It's honest. Builds up the man and the woman. It has nothing to do with politically correct speech. So my approach this morning is going to be like this. It's like me walking out in the woods with my son. I'm going to give advice to my son about women. I'm going to talk to my son as a father would his boy. And ladies, I will warn you, I'm going to warn you, you can listen in, but men don't think like women do, so we talk a little different. So don't get offended. All right, so here we go. My dear son, I'll begin that way. So my dear son, I want to talk to you about one small verse. If you can open up to Proverbs 18.22, this is the verse we are going to look at. Proverbs 18.22. And it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. This Bible verse is very clear, specifically the two points, and boys need very much very clarity, so it's very simple. Number one, it says marriage is a good thing for men. It's a good thing. She's a gift from God. A wife is meant to bless us. In fact, I'm sure some of us would never be as good as we could be if it was not for the woman helping us. That's the truth. If it was not for the woman caring and even critiquing us. I also think this is where the Catholic Church went wrong with their male priests. If they would have just read the Bible and got married, it would have saved the church so much damage and abuse. Second thing this verse says is a wife in this passage is and always will be in reference to a female. The Hebrew word for wife is isha, which means a woman. The root meaning of the word is meant to communicate the idea that the woman is designed to be the counterpart to a man. 
comes from when Adam said she was taken out of his rib. She's a compliment to him. She's a compliment and a counterpart both physically, which is very obvious just by the plumbing, if you get what I mean by that. She is a compliment mentally and emotionally. We're wired different so we can support each other. Literally, the biblical idea is that women, a woman completes a man. Another man can't do this, nor a man dressing like a woman cannot do this. Only a natural woman can complete a man. God designed it that way. It is a good thing. But there's an inherent problem with this verse. If you look closely, it makes it sound like you should just pick up any old woman to be your wife and all will be well. Ah, not so fast, my son. Not so fast. This is where a thorough reading of Proverbs comes in because it discusses three kinds of women to choose from. There's three kinds to choose from, and two of these women can kill you. They can break you. Here's the three kinds. The first one we're going to talk about is the forbidden woman. Other names for her in Proverbs are the adulterous woman, the wicked woman, and the evil woman. The group called the Eagles back in the 1970s, they called this woman the witchy woman. The Old Testament has embodied her in a woman, Jezebel. That's the forbidden woman. The second woman we're going to talk about is the belligerent woman. Commentators say some words that describe her are brawling, contentious, fighting, and angry. Elvis calls this woman hard-headed. One of his famous lyrics is hard-headed woman, soft-hearted man, and he writes, been the cause of trouble since the world began. Very true, Elvis. There's a third kind of woman. It's called the valiant woman. That's Proverbs 31 woman. Uses the word excellent for her. Noble, a woman who fears the Lord. This woman has more love songs written about her than any other. Like one of my favorite James Taylor songs, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. He writes this phrase, I needed someone to understand my ups and downs, and there you were with sweet love and devotion, deeply touching my emotion. Solomon is going to tell his son to stay as far away from the forbidden woman because she's like a snare waiting to trap you so you will be destroyed. Be very leery of the belligerent woman. Be careful with her. She's like a shrew and she will wear on you and wear you out. She wants to rule you. Be very careful. But the valiant woman, like a sapphire, is priceless. Now, if you find a woman like this, Solomon's telling his son, don't let her go. Don't let her go. So let's talk about the first woman, the forbidden woman. First Lady Solomon talks about the forbidden woman probably because she's the one that eventually shipwrecked Israel through him, ensnared him, made God angry at Solomon. And the Lord severely disciplined Solomon because of her. She is talked about in Proverbs 5. She's talked about in Proverbs 6. She's talked about in Proverbs 7 and all through. She's talked about more than the other two ladies combined. I want you to go to chapter 7 because we'll be re referencing it a number of times. But just... Keep your Bibles open to chapter 7, and we'll get there in a second. Hall and Oates talked about this woman. Did you know that? 
Holland Oates called her the man-eater. He said, I wouldn't if I were you. I know what she can do. She's deadly, man. She can rip your world apart. Mind over matter. Ooh, the beauty is there. But the beast is in the heart. They know what they're talking about. So the way I'm going to work through each type of woman is describe three things. How they catch the man. How do they get him? How do they keep the man? And then what's the fate of the man once they were caught? What's the end game? So you can, I'm going to have three icons for it. Go ahead and hit that, Jonathan. So you, how you catch them, how they're kept, and then what's the, what do they get? What's the treasure they get from each woman? So the catch of the forbidden woman, if she's so dangerous, how do men fall for her? You know, I mean, she's being warned about how do men fall for her? Two ways, her smooth words and her painted face. Eight times her words and speech are mentioned. Eight times. And here's what they say about them. Her words drip honey. They are smooth as oil. She is loud and she's aggressive with her words. She makes the first move. And mainly by luring men with promises of sexual gratification. Look at verse 18 of chapter 7. Here's her words. Come. Let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. The easiest way you're dealing with a forbidden woman is she has no problem making the first move. Mm-hmm. We are living in a culture where women are making the first moves all the time. Be very careful, especially when it's provocative. And son, don't be surprised, son. Some women can be just as depraved as any sailor or greasy male construction worker in their mind and words. 625, I'll just read this. It's the chapter right before. 625 says, Do not desire her beauty in her, your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. So the idea is that not only is her words smooth as oil and they coax you in through sexual gratification, but she paints herself up with her eyelashes. She bats them and 710 says she dresses like a prostitute. What most women fail to realize is how visually stim stimulated men are. Allure is the woman's greatest weapon against men. It is. And the forbidden woman knows how to use it. And she knows it's her weapon. She's dangerous with it. I think many naive Christian women generally don't think there's anything wrong with dressing provocatively. They don't think it's that bad. I remember a discussion by one of our female leaders in youth group when I was a youth pastor. And um, she's talking to one of the girls who often wore her clothes too tight and minimal. And so the the leader went up to her just saying, ah, be careful. And the girl said to her, I just want to catch the eye of the boy I like. That's all. The leader said, yeah. But the way you are dressed, you're also catching every married man's eye and the 80-year-old man in the back of the church who's drooling in his dentures. Be very careful. I once had a person ask me why Baptist sermons seem to focus so much on avoiding sexual sins and not other things like lying, greed, and pride. And the answer is simple. That's where the battle daily rages because God made sex appealing. It's appealing. Why else would porn be a billion-dollar industry? Or most scandals, be they political, Hollywood, or even a fallout with the male priests, all revolve sex. 
because God said, be fruitful and multiply. If men were not so easily tempted by beauty, I'm not sure anybody would ever get married and have kids, honestly. Men just wouldn't do it. They'd rather go fishing. So they're made to, he wants, he wants us to procreate, but men weren't allured, they'd probably just, let's play football all day, you know? That's why it's so dangerous. It's dangerous. How are they kept in? If the forbidden woman is as bad as you say, why do some guys stay in affairs and keep sniffing around the door of the forbidden woman? Why? One reason, and I'll say this is the main reason, is because of hormonal-induced stupidity. Hormonal-induced stupidity. That's when the hormones see the beauty, ignite the passion, and logic switches off in the brain. It turns off. It's called hormonal-induced stupidity. That is why Solomon says in 25, look what he writes in verse 25, let not your hearts turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths because you're going to switch off. 7-7 seven, is talking about the foolish guy. 7-7, seven, seven, and I have seen, look what it says, I have seen among the simple, those are the ignoramuses, the, the fools. I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. He's lacking sense. Hormonal-induced stupidity because he's passing along the street near her corner. He wants to see. His passions are leading him into destruction. Lust has caught him in her trap. And if that were enough, the forbidden woman is already good at sounding like God is actually approving the affair. Here's what's disgusting. Look at 7, 13 to 21. She seizes this fool. She kisses him and with bold face says to him, I, I had to offer sacrifices and today I paid my vows. These are like going to the priest and offering her sacrifices. It's kind of like when I remember going to the Catholic Church, I know a lot of people that would go to Mass on Saturday so they could go out to the bar Saturday night like they did their spiritual job so now they're set free but she makes it worse she she says i've offered sacrifices so now i've come out to meet you and seek you er eagerly and i found you and so she spread out her couch with coverings perfumed her bed with myrrh come let us take our fill of love till morning and the idea is that i call this sensual spirituality I've heard desperate women say stuff like, but we were brought together by God. Wouldn't he want us to be happy? Wouldn't he? They kind of appeal to God to do sexual sin. It's crazy. They'd say stuff like, he knows love has to express itself through touch. And the biggest lie of all, we should be together. In God's eyes, we're already married. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. What is the end what is the end? Well, you've, you've got to be very careful buying her lies, her sensual, spiritual lies. Don't buy it. Don't trust her because anyone who legitimizes and spiritualizes what God has condemned and forbidden deserves condemnation. Here's what Proverbs 22.14 says. Listen to Proverbs 22.14. The mouth of the forbidden woman is a deep pit. 
He with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. In other words, God allows those who have ignored him to get ensnared by the tongue of the forbidden woman. Because when they do, they will be forced to pay and pay and pay. She's forbidden because God wants you never to trespass against his will with her. Like a sign that says, do not enter. So you could say, here's this kid. He's, oh, says, do not enter. I'm not going to do what that says. The woman will destroy your life. That's why God says she's forbidden. She will either make you broke. She will expose your sin and bring utter humiliation, pass on a disease, cause you to leave your faith, all for a few moments or years of fooling around. The initial price is not worth the total cost. The initial price is not worth the total cost. This is true throughout the Bible with every sin. When you trespass, the cost is always more than the price you paid to trespass. Just ask Donald Trump. Stormy Daniels led him to Michael Cohen, and we're not done with it yet. So the second lady that Solomon talks about is the belligerent or the brawling woman. I have found many places that talk about a contentious, angry, arguing woman. There are some differences in opinion. Is this talking about somebody different than the forbidden woman? Is this the forbidden woman just a little bit older after she's married to the stupid man? Maybe, but I'm going to offer you another idea of who she might be. And this is where the message will get a little dicey. This is a, the belligerent woman's a tough one. The, the forbidden woman's obvious. The for, belligerent woman, not so obvious. I believe from reading between the lines, a belligerent woman is the spoiled child all grown up. The one who never was told no to as a kid, probably because of her looks, her smile, and her whining. All right, all right, get her what she wants. She is the laughing girl. I remember reading a book talking about the laughing girl. She just laughs and everybody watches her laugh because she's pretty. She gets what she wants. She's daddy's girl, and she's the beauty queen brat who just laughed and smiled and pouted and got everything she wanted. If she didn't, daddy would hear about it. I don't care how. I want it now. You've probably seen that. And so how does a belligerent woman catch men? Look at Proverbs eleven twenty two. Eleven twenty two, where the, the forbidden woman used her words. 11.22 says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Some scholars believe this is again describing the forbidden woman, but the word discretion is not about wicked, evil, or sexual, but an unteachable woman. Unteachable. Unbreakable, or she has not been broken. In the sense, by her, she's foolish. She doesn't listen. A person who does not want wisdom. And so as a result, they are uncontrollable. As the writer Ernst Lucas puts it, he says, Outward beauty is not worth the problems that a rash and gossiping wife might cause. Another writer says, It is important for the young man to carefully ponder the fact that a choice influenced by the fascination with beauty or popularity, if made without reference to godliness, can give no promise of the divine blessing or of individual happiness. So he's saying, just because she's pretty, 
or just because she's popular, or maybe she's rich, or maybe she's the funny one in the group, she's not godly. Look out. Look out. And so, son, don't marry a girl just because of pretty face. It wears off. It wears off. It wears off. Let me say that again. It wears off. Have you ever heard the song, uh, Bill, have you ever heard the song by Jimmy Soul? It says, you want to be happy the rest of your life. Do you know how the rest of the song goes? I won't read the rest. <laughs> Does anybody ever hear that song by Jimmy Soul? You want to be happy the rest of your life? Look that up. I'm not going to read it. It's really a funny song. Mike, do you know that song? Mike knows it. Mike, you want to sing that song? (laughs) I better not read you the lyrics, but if you want to laugh, look it up. It's kind of funny. There's a hint of truth. There's always a hint of truth to all humor. I think another reason men marry belligerent women is because they are lonely. The men is lonely, and they convince themselves having a woman, even if she's a bit cantankerous or mean, is better than loneliness, isn't it? Proverbs 25, 24 says it's better to live in the corner of a housetop. Oh. And a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. As one man I know used to say, there are worse things in life than loneliness. I remember him telling me that often. Oh. I'm talking to my sons now. So listen. So why stay? Why do they stay? If men date and end up marrying miserable women, why do they stay? Aside from the importance of a vow, which is incredibly important. Just read Ecclesiastes 5. Don't be hasty before you make a vow. I think there's two verses that hint at possible reasons why men marry some women that might be a little difficult. And I think these are true. Proverbs 21.19 has an interesting word. Proverbs 21.19 It is better to live in a desert land than a quarrelsome and fretful woman. I was asking, I had my son said, I'm going to read this verse to you and interpret it. It is better to live in a desert land with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. My son Joseph said, it's better to be out in nowhere than be with a woman that will drive you crazy. I said, that's a great interpretation, Joe. I'm just reading the verse, that's all. But, what, but the word is fretful. Look at the word fretful. Fretful means an anxious, complaining person who's always being weighed down by some emotional burden that she blames on others and demands them to help carry out for her. Somebody's always weighed down by some emotional burden that she blames on others. And she's anxious and she complains about it. She's the one that says, it's your fault. Look what you've done to me. You hurt me. Men, can I be honest with you? And again, I'm talking to my sons. Ladies, you're allowed to listen in, but men, can I be honest with you? When it comes to the ability to use emotions and making people do things for them, women are experts. We are mere children. And I know it's just true. I'm telling you. And I'm doing this for your good to think through who you're going to marry. Belligerent women will use tears and looks and pouts and eyebrows and hands on hips and sniffles and the worst of all, silence to keep us in our place. And we will listen. So if they are using it before you say I do, run. Run. (laughs) Run. And if you have already said I do, I'll pray for you. (laughs) The other verse is similar, 2715. 
27.15. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. I think Solomon wrote this because he had 900-some women for wives. I think that's probably why he wrote this. In other words, they will wear you out with words. That's another reason why men stay in, because they just don't want to fight. They're like, go ahead, have it your way. I just want peace. So the easiest way to tell if you're with a belligerent woman is this, is when you feel like a little boy around them. And they always make you feel like they're the mom and you need to be put in time out if you're the husband. That is why many men hunt and live in the garage. What is the end? Well, honestly, for many, a man married to a belligerent woman, it brings shame, according to 12.4. Look at 12.4. An excellent wife is the crown to the husband. And that's why crown is a bejeweled, bespeckled crown. An excellent wife, which we'll talk about in a second. But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Ugh. So, one writer interpreted the rottenness in bones as having cancer, is, is really what that word means, is having a living disease. The idea is that misery with a woman like this can be unending if the wife's a brawler, if she fights all the time, fights everything out. So, son, who you matter, who you marry matters. It really matters. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. If you are dating, the best advice I ever heard is to try to make it through a year with that person so you can see them in every season, especially hunting season around here. Will she put up with two weeks with all your boys, you know? I mean, and your smell. You'll know now. All right, that's the belligerent woman. We have one more to go, the valiant woman. The final lady Solomon talks about is the valiant woman. She's the crown. She's the tiara. She's the jewel. She's the sapphire. She is talked about in glowing colors all through Proverbs, but the most famous chapter of all is Proverbs 31, the song of the noble woman. Many mother's days we use this, and some mothers hate it. I can understand it because we try to are you doing what the woman's doing on here, 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 here? That's not really what it's about. It's a poem where he's just gushing over his wife that is a valiant woman. And the idea of valiant is from the word excellent. Proverbs 31 is going to talk about the excellent woman. We'll get there in a second. But the word comes from a military term meaning might, strong, someone who will not bend under pressure. It's an amazing way to put it. A wife who won't bend under pressure. This kind of woman is actually quite intimidating to your average lazy man because she'll get the job done and hold her man accountable. It's different than the dripping faucet because this woman is encouraging and she's actually an example. And she admonishes, which every man needs. She'll tell the truth. It's not a constant whine. It's a direct, honey, you really need to change. So, if she's tough to live with, she's not tough to live with, she's honest. How does she catch men? If she doesn't, she's not like the forbidden or the belligerent that's always luring men. How does she catch them? Proverbs 11.6 says this. 
It's not with love in 16. A gracious woman gets honor. That means she's noticed. But this word gracious literally means kind-hearted. Kindness is what initially is noticed and appreciated. The NIV translated kind-hearted, and kindness is an attractive thing. It's the language of grace. If you want to meet a valiant woman, look for kindness that stands out for somebody whose words are kind encouraging, even gentle. If a woman has no kindness when you date her, she will definitely have none after you marry her. And kindness is the exact opposite of the words of the forbidden. Because the words of the forbidden woman are aggressive. Kindness is appropriate. It waits. It protects sometimes her heart to make sure you are worthy of your thoughts. Kindness doesn't gush. I wish more parents would teach their daughters to be more secure in themselves and wait for a good man to come by rather than playing the aggressor. And then after kindness invites you in, character is what makes a good man stay. Go to Proverbs 31. It's all about her character. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife. Excellent is where I get the word valiant. Who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She is a person of character, not, not outward, but inward. That's what chapter 31 is character in action. Let me read it. Talks about she seeks wool and flax and works with her willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are in her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. That's the most incredible verse right there. It's interesting. Psalm 112 talks about the, God, the man who fears God, says, he laughs in calamities. The woman who fears God laughs as well. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm and is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So that's the poem. It's actually a, it's a Hebrew acrostic, which is like our alphabet, and it has each one is a phrase beginning with a Hebrew letter. So it's a poem. And it's what it is, it's showing a woman in action. She is growing. She's growing in grace. 
She's growing in strength. She's growing in beauty. She's growing in wisdom. She's growing in godliness. That's the point. She doesn't stop growing. She hasn't arrived. This whole list is meant to show every area of life will be taken care of with her in your life. It'll be taken care of. You'll be all right with her in your life. I remember my dad had a tough job. He'd leave Thursday, uh, Sunday nights, be gone all week, get home Thursday nights. He did this for 10 years. He'd go across country. My, wife had, my mom had to stay home with six kids. And my dad knew we'd be okay. She could handle it. And she did. And she did. You can count on the valiant, and the reason is simple. And the reason is found in verse 30. She fears the Lord. She fears the Lord. When God is in a woman's heart, she's led by the Spirit. They, the woman, wants God to be pleased. And it's far better having a woman trying to please the Lord than to please a fallen, broken man. Because sometimes... She will correct you, which is what we need. It's funny, as I was talking through my sermon with someone, they said, it sounds to me like the only, only the forbidden and belligerent woman, women are pretty. So does that mean if you're a godly woman, you will be plain and sexually unattractive and cold? Does God just want the valiant wife to just be a servant at home, wearing a long brown dress, a handmaid's tale. Is that what he wants? Well, you tell me. Look at Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. I'm just going to read it. I don't need to comment on it, but I'm going to read it. It's in your Bible. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed. He's talking about your wife, the life you have with your wife. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Speaks for itself. I'm not going to elaborate. The strange thing about real beauty, the strange thing about real beauty is the more you know someone, the less you see the outside, the more you're captivated by their character. It's really strange. If you ever think about somebody you know really well, you rarely consider what they look like. It's really odd. Somebody you really love and admire, you rarely consider their looks. What you end up getting with the valiant woman is two things. Proverbs 19.22 talks about a friend that will remain faithful to you. And Proverbs 31, 10, and 11 is someone you can trust. Someone you can trust. It's interesting. The Proverbs 19.22 says, what does a man desire? Faithfulness? Somebody who's faithful. Somebody when everybody rips you apart, you come home and your wife believes in you. It's an amazing gift. Because men's egos are really fragile. They're like pie crust. And when we come home after somebody criticizes us, and your wife's like, you did great. You're a great guy. You can do it. You can make it. So son, 
Don't settle for less than a valiant woman. You can't afford not to. You can't. Solomon ends with three pieces of advice, and I think these are really important, especially for the younger guys. The first one we find in Proverbs 31, 2 and 3. Three just honest pieces of advice. says, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother's taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. If you notice, if you really link three and four together, he's saying, quit, playing the f- quit going to the bar. Quit looking, for- quit looking for a hookup. Quit playing the field. Stop it. It's going to wear you out and destroy your life. I know so many men, that's all they do is try to look for women. I know men, that's all they think about. It's a very interesting book. It's called uh, Wild at Heart. It says, we have been made to pursue a mission. Just don't let the mission be a woman. Ask her to join you in the mission, and then your life will be great. But if she becomes the mission, she can't sustain it. Only God can. Second thing I would say, based on 1822, young man, is pray for God to bring a woman to your life. Pray about it. Being alone with videos are killing us. Ask somebody out on a date. It will make you become a man. Be responsible. Try it. A woman will force you to grow up. She's a good thing, a blessing from God. And then the third one is this. Go to 30, 19, 18 and 19. 30, 18 and 19. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four, I do not understand. Meaning, you're not going to figure it out. The way of an eagle in the sky. The way of a serpent on a rock. And the way of a ship on the high seas. And the way of a man with a virgin or a woman. I just don't get it. Don't try to figure this out. You're not... <laughs> Don't try to figure out dating. Don't try to figure out the perfect woman. Just wait for God to bring the person because there's no scientific thing. It just ha- it just, it's just over. When you meet the right person, it's just, it's just over. When my kids were small, they often wanted me to tell them a story every night. And so they wouldn't make, it up, make up stories. And I'd make up stories because it also helped me, I thought, with, telling stories. So I used to make up a story every night. And my daughters like this one story, they'd have me tell it a number of times. And it's just, it's, I call it basically the pirate's daughter. And the story is this king had this daughter and the, he, was become, he was invaded by the enemy. So he took this daughter and gave the, his daughter, who was a little baby, to his best friend who happened to be a pirate. Grew up with this guy, trusted him, became a pirate. Gave the daughter to the pirate, and the king died in war and battle. His whole, his whole family died in battle. And so this little girl was raised by a pirate. She had to learn how to swab the deck. She had to learn how to sword fight. She had to learn how to cook down in the galley. She had to learn all this stuff. But the pirate loved her. But he taught her everything pirates know. Then one of the servants of the king, they reestablished the throne, and they said, hey, there is a queen out there. We need to go find her. So they had all the women in the kingdom come for events to see who really is the queen. 
And by this time, the girl who was with the pirate was 16 years old, and since she's in the kingdom, she had to compete as well. But the competition wasn't just beauty. The competition was other things. Were they kind? Were they good servants? And every time the rich girls that wanted to become queen had to do hard things, they, they would complain and whine, but the pirate girl was used to it. She would flourish in it. And she would laugh at the other girls for being so wimpy. And then they realized, the guy realized, she had her father's eyes. This girl had her father. She's the true queen. Even though she was raised by the pirate, she had a heart of a true queen. And my member of my daughters loved it. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be the prissy girl. I want to be that pirate's daughter. You know, that's who I want to be. In a way, that's sort of what this is about. You want to marry the pirate's daughter, the lady that can withstand things. The lady that will tell you the truth. 